can't believe this. I just can't believe this. Wow, amazing. You can play YYZ. First of all, it's YYZ. And second of all, no, I can't get it. Buckle up! Nobody exists on purpose. Nobody belongs anywhere. Everybody's gonna die. Come watch TV. Oh, no, I'm not gonna make a scene. Guess I'll do what I always do when I run out of booze. Try to take over the world. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and you're listening to Alex and Macon Take on the World. My name is Alex Melendez, and I'm sitting across from old... Macon Hutchison. And today we're going to be talking about the mysterious or miraculous story, I guess, of D.B. Cooper. He was, um, was it, the only unknown or only He's unsolved? the only unsolved case of air piracy in the U.S. Yes, so we'll be getting into that. My First man, off, alias Dan Cooper. Yeah. First off, we're going to be uh, covering Old Granddad, which is the liquor we have today, because today is a liquor sode. Liquor sode. So we're going to be drinking uh, Sprite and Old Granddad. Which was a popular drink at the time. Well, it was 7-Up in bourbon at the time, but I couldn't find 7-Up, so... Not sure if they still make 7-Up. Alex seems to think they do, but I can't remember the last time I saw one. I'm pretty sure they sell it at, like, the grocery store. I think you're making that shit right up. We just checked at 7-Eleven. They're only going to hold half the brands, you know? All right, so the little blurb on Old Granddad from their website. Great taste runs in the family. Old Granddad was a real person. He was a distiller named Basil Hayden who made his name by distilling a bourbon whiskey made with a higher percentage of rye. Basil Hayden passed along the art of distilling to his son, Time. Just pulling your leg. We don't know his name. And then, in turn, to his grandson. It was the third-generation distiller, Colonel R.B. Hayden, who honored his grandfather by naming his justly famed whiskey Old Granddad. During Prohibition, Old Granddad was produced by a pharmaceutical company, the American Medicinal Spirits Company, and was one of the few distilled spirits permitted to be prescribed as medicine. It was a popular time to be sick. And they say the tasting notes are oaky, fruity, and cantankerous. And they have a picture of a uh, badger. And so we uh, we attempted to do this episode before, uh, and we just drank it straight. We were trying to do a twofer, but that didn't end up working out uh, in no, our favor. Not at all. We got a little drunk. Yeah. I One fell asleep. Us, uh, fell asleep, yeah. I fell asleep. I was soothed to sleep. <laughs> Sultry sounds of my voice. Being rocked to bed by old granddad. Being rocked to bed by old granddad. All right, so what do you think about old granddad then? Well, so I enjoyed it a lot the first time. We were just drinking it straight the first time. This time we're mixing it with Sprite. Uh, and it was, it, was a, it was a good shooter. It was easy to drink, very smooth. Um, so I made our drinks, and it's, you know... 90% whiskey and about 10% <laughs> Sprite, so we're getting a good feel for the liquor uh, the second time around, too. It's, it's delicious, actually. It, uh, the bottle is very low-shelf looking, but it's... Uh, oh, yeah, it looks terrible. It's a yeah, it's uh, bright orange label. Right, we'll not put that a picture many... up on the uh, Facebook. Yeah, not that many colors. Yeah. Kind of shitty picture of an old guy. Yeah. It's pretty terrible looking. It, it didn't looks look, terrible, but it tastes good. Yeah, it didn't look promising at all when we first I got it. I would give it a, uh, I don't know, six or a seven probably out of ten. I'd probably say a six just because it's still a little harsh at the end. Yeah. Well. But not terrible for the price either. No, no, not at all. Yeah, it was only 20 bucks. Yeah, on a, sale, so it was 19 which was right. nice, and I saved a dollar. Uh, so, my boy Dan, my boy Danny Cooper. Not Danny Cooper, just Dan Cooper. Um, <laughs> he is known because he hijacked a Boeing 727 in the air between Portland and Seattle. He uh, This was on November 24th, 1971. Uh, he ended up extorting $200,000, which uh, at the time, trans- or, well, now translates to about uh, $1.24 million. Did you, um, did you realize he did it on the eve of Thanksgiving? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the guys that I found as a suspect, uh, that is his alibi. Uh, it was pretty convincing, but his alibi was that he was with his family eating Thanksgiving dinners and couldn't have been there. Oh, yeah. But we will get into that and more 
Um, so this is, like I said, the only unsolved case of air piracy. So it's got the FBI pretty much stumped. It's like one of their few that they've never been able to figure out. Uh, they maintained the act of, uh, an active investigation for 45 years. Um, I gotta stop saying, um, I'm gonna try and, try and curb that this episode. The, sp- the suspect purchased his ticket under the alias Dan Cooper, but because of a miscommunication, uh, in a newspaper article, I believe, that yeah. he became D.B. Cooper. Yeah. I, um, actually have something on that. I have that information, I think. I thought I did. An Oregon man named D.B. Cooper, who had a minor police record, was one of the first persons of interest in the case. He was quickly ruled out as a suspect, but a local reporter named James Long, rushing to meet an immediate deadline, or imminent deadline, confused the suspect's name with a pseudonym used by the hacker. Hijacker. Hacker, not hijacker. Hijacker, not hacker. This is gonna be a uh, this is gonna be a slow episode for us. We're getting back in. We're very rusty. Yeah, coming off a couple week break from a man Alex's birthday. We I mean, mar- <laughs> nope, nope. His <laughs> marriage, my birthday. That's just how slow it's gonna be for us. I don't even know <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. what person celebrated which uh, which day. Yeah, I got married and you had uh, a birthday, and yep. we both marched slower on to death. But uh. So a uh, wire service reporter, Clyde Jabin of UPI, by most accounts, Joe Frazier of the Associated Press, by others, republished the error, the D.B. Cooper error, followed by numerous other media sources. So the moniker D.B. Cooper became lodged in the public's collective memory, as opposed to Dan Cooper. Right. And it's a better, you know, it's, it's a, I don't know, it better. seems cooler, yeah, it seems cooler. Um... So, he, uh, he got on the plane, he sat in his seat towards the back, he was wearing a, you know, a nice suit, he had a nice briefcase, he had uh, some aviators on, he just looked like your typical sort of cool guy businessman. Yeah, he had a suit and tie and a little mm-hmm. uh, tie pin, a mother of pearl tie pin. Uh, he sat down and ordered a bourbon and Sprite, or well, a bourbon and 7-Up, I, I assume, at the time, yeah. which is what we're drinking. Um, and so for, as far as air piracy is concerned, and really just piracy and, and criminals of the time weren't dressing like that. They weren't, you know, they weren't going out as the gentleman criminals. No. Uh, so Cooper handed a note to the flight attendant, Florence Schaefer. She thought it was just a number of some old guy trying to hit on her. And went to put it in her purse, to which Cooper said, Miss, you'd better read that note. I have a bomb. Uh, so you gave him, you think he has that, like, southern draw with it? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Miss, I reckon you better read that I note. I reckon you better read it. <laughs> uh, after which, she, she read the note, and it said, I have a bomb, and I want you to come sit next to me. Um, Cooper later took all of his notes. He took all of his evidence back, which we'll get into a little bit. Uh, he told Florence to sit down. After she did, she asked to see the bomb. He opened his briefcase just long enough for her to see that he wasn't lying. He had a bomb. Uh, after closing the case, he told her his demands, which were $200,000, four parachutes, and a fuel truck to be at the airport waiting. They told the other passengers, however, that they were just having mechanical difficulty and that's why, uh, well, sorry, excuse me. So the plane, he had the plane circle around the airport for a couple of hours while they had to wait for the people to get the money, for the truck to show up, all that good shit. Uh, and so they told all the other passengers that they were having mechanical difficulties, and that's why they weren't landing, as to not cause a panic. That's going to be unsettling still, though, to have mechanical difficulties, therefore we're staying in the air. I know, and right above the airport. <laughs> yeah, then, then land. Right. That just means someone's fucked with the landing gear. Yeah. Fuck all that. And eventually you got to land, you know. like Right. Landing gear or not, it's got to come down. Right. Um, so, Florence describes him and... Some of the other people that came into contact with him 
described him as calm, polite, and well-spoken. Nice. He was, uh, he was going for the gentleman criminal thing. He ordered a second bourbon um, and paid his tab and attempted even to give a tip. So, like, he was a nice guy. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't there to be an asshole. He just wanted his goddamn money. Yeah. He was also smoking cigarettes at the time because this is a time where you could smoke cigarettes on the airplane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody was like, oh, he's a chain smoker, but he only smoked eight cigarettes in, what, three, three hours, three, four hours maybe? maybe well, it went longer. from two until about um, 10, 15 was when the plane finally landed totally. Oh, yeah. Because it took off at one-third full from Portland at 2.50 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And when they finally landed it in the Reno airport, it was 10.15 p.m. that night. So in the total of eight hours, that's a cigarette per hour. Right. You know, not that bad, especially if you're about to jump out of a fucking right. 727. Yeah, fuck all that. <laughs> at night. Yeah. In the rain. Yeah, in a storm. Uh, so after being told that his demands had been made, well, first and foremost... He rejected the better military-issued parachutes and made them go get civilian chutes Yeah, uh, from a local air or skydiving teacher. Skydiving school. School. That's right, school. Yeah, me and Alex were talking earlier as we were watching this documentary and they were talking about Skydivers Club. Yeah. You got to jump out of a plane a lot of fucking times <laughs> to be in a club. Yeah. Because I would assume you'd probably have to play, play. You'd probably have to pay club dues and things like that. It wouldn't just be like, right. like an Xbox club where we're like, oh, we we play the same game. But I would assume that, I don't know, at some level that would be you exclusive. Gotta you got to pay sure in just like... to have club. I mean, a lot of clubs have dues. Right. Why wouldn't skydiving have it? Like scuba clubs have schools. Right. Dues have dues. Yeah. I they mean, also have schools. It's just crazy to me to imagine there's no point to it. There's no point to jump out of a goddamn airplane. Yeah, my cousin's done it a couple fly. times. I mean, I get the allure, but to do it more than once? Yeah. Like, to just keep doing it? Fuck that. Well, there's the whole uh, paratrooper wing of the military. Right, I know. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into but that. But at least they're getting paid to do it. Right. You know. Or fighting for something they believe in, or whatever the fuck you need to tell yeah, yourself. It's not just like, hey, it's Thursday, it's pretty nice outside. You want to go jump out of a plane? Right. Because <laughs> it's got to be. Risk death. It's got to be an expensive hobby, too. Yeah. You, you got to pay for the plane. You got to have all the fucking parachutes and shit. Yeah. I think it's. Somebody's got to pack the chutes. Right. Isn't it super expensive to get your chutes packed? I would assume. Probably not super cheap based on the whole get life your and death thing. Chutes packed. <laughs> uh, anyway, so after this, he. Uh, after being told that his demands had been met, the plane landed. He had the crew shut all of the shutters to deter snipers. Uh, he then, so the Northwest Orient, excuse me, was the air the air airplane company that Jesus God we are <laughs> slow as molasses today, ladies and gentlemen, slow as molasses. Uh, that is the airport company or the airlines that he stole this jet from. Uh, so they sent out an operative, Al Lee, who approached the plane in regular <laughs> clothing so as not to be mistaken for a cop. Oh, Allie. Oh, Al Lee. He delivered the cast, after which Cooper ordered all passengers and flight attendants off off a plane, except for, you know, the skeleton crew, just the people he yeah. needed. Uh, as they were being refilled, Cooper laid out his flight plan, which was... To set a course for Mexico City. Oh, I thought you were. Oh no, I'm just touching uh, the screen. <laughs> weirdly, just Alex is my caressing screen. the computer screen. Weirdly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he laid out his travel plan, which was to go to Mexico City, uh, and he wanted them to fly as low and as slow as possible. He also wanted the landing gear to remain down, as well as the aft staircase. The co-pilot told Cooper that flying like he wanted, the plane would have to land and refuel, which they agreed that Reno would be a fine place to do that. Uh, so Northwest, the company argued with Cooper that taking off with the stairs down would be too unsafe. Cooper reluctantly agreed to put them up. After about two hours, the plane was fueled and back in the air. Uh, unbeknownst, unbeknownst to 
Cooper, two F-16 fighter jets were scrambled from a nearby Air Force base and flew above and below so they so they can hide from him. Uh, as well as another two, two or three, I couldn't get an exact number on that, uh, Lockheed T-33s also diverted from another unrelated mission. And those are pretty cool-ass looking planes. Yeah. If you look them up. Um, so at least three to five, I couldn't find an exact number, three to five different planes were tailing the stolen plane, although none of them saw Cooper jump because, again, it was dark, it was rainy, it was, visibility was shit. Yeah, that's uh, crazy to jump into that. And then out right. of five different planes, no one saw you leave the plane. Right. Maybe he teleported out. And that's probably how I don't happened. know. I don't know. Uh, after the takeoff, Cooper sent everybody into the cockpit, um, lowered the stairs, and jumped out, which nobody saw. When the plane landed in Remo, cops did Remo. <laughs> Reno. Remo is a sauce. It's delicious. Yeah. Uh, when the plane landed, plane landed in Reno, cops did an armed search of the plane, which of course found nothing. And in an experimental recreation, they piloted the, air, piloted the aircraft used in the hijacking in the same flight configuration. FBI agents pushing a 200-pound sled out of the open air stair were able to reproduce the upward motion of the tail section described by the flight, cl- flight crew at 8.13 p.m. So at 8.13 the plane, the back of the plane dipped a little bit. I thought it was eight uh, ten, but nonetheless. I mean, that's a three minute time right difference. Not, I don't think it matters. Yeah, not plummeting to the earth. Also, you have to think about he's jumping out with an extra like 20, mm-hmm. 25 pounds worth of money attached to him. Yeah, that was one thing that the documentary said was that he didn't because he didn't specify what bills that the money was in. Right. If he'd have got it in all hundreds, it would have been like five pounds extra. But he got it in, I guess I would assume twenties. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like twenty pounds total. Right. Which, you know, I mean, I gotta, I gotta believe that he, you know, at least practiced this. He at least had sky di- sky dove. Sky dividend. Sky dividend. Sky dividends. Sky dividends. Yeah, uh, I would hope he would at least went skydiving one time. I like to believe that he made it, and we'll get into who I think did it. Um, but there's also some damning evidence that he might not have made it. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Or, I mean, he could have just literally dropped a couple bucks. That's kind of what I feel you know? like happened. Like, it, just some of it dropped out. Because they'd have found the rest, I feel. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that leads me back to after this. So that, that that's basically what happened with, that. that's what we know happened. Everything after this is just kind of, Theorizing on what happened and going over, because uh, again, this was a huge manhunt. Yeah, they they had hundreds of people out searching. They had dogs. They had helicopters, like scouring the area, which is another reason that I feel like he probably would have survived, because they'd have found him. His body, you mean? Yeah. Or yeah. well, you know, even him. Yeah. He might have like escaped, but. And you gotta like you gotta think this is still unknown, and uh, this was done in 1971. Right, and it just got closed. The case just got closed in 2016. That's I almost 50 years ago. Right, <laughs> people have been actively looking for him for 50 years. Yeah, they have a celebration every year. Yeah, there's a bar <laughs> in the town, I guess, closest to where he they think he landed, that throws a DB Cooper party. Uh, every Thanksgiving Eve, I think they said it was, or like the day after Thanksgiving. Probably, I would assume. Uh, it'd probably be Thanksgiving Eve since that's when he did it. It was a bunch of real classy, <laughs> classy individuals at this party, it looked like. Yeah, in the video we watched, there was that guy that couldn't, like, he didn't move his lips. And it's like, I think he's still alive. I think he's still like, alive. Like, it was just his mouth literally just open and closed. Nothing, there was no right. forming of letters with his lips. Yeah, real, uh. Real, real country folk. Although I did like the one guy that was in the suit, like dressed like D.B. Cooper was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, and there was another guy wearing like a parachute. Yeah. Just to the bar. But nonetheless, they uh, they celebrate how famous they made that, uh, he made that town. Um, so later on, I got to flip back here really quick because I took this down weird. But a boy by the name of Brian Ingram and his father 
Oh, yeah. I also found a couple different, like one article, I, it said kids found it. One said just a kid by himself found it. And then the documentary said a kid and his father found it. Um, and that kid's name was Brian Ingram. They found, Saw I didn't the, get the exact number. Did you get the number? It was three bundles uh, that I don't remember what it totaled out to of no. money buried in the sand. Uh, obviously decomposed, but the bills in the middle still had enough for them to ID the. Yeah, the outside had been really damaged. Number, the so the ones number. that were, yeah, the ones that were stuck in the middle of the, uh, the little wads, I guess, were um, in a lot better condition. But they were still not the best. Right. Yeah, we'll put a picture of that up uh, on the Facebook as well, because it is all of the evidence that is left is stuffed in a box like it's one filing box worth of evidence oh and the date that that kid found that was february 13th february 10th i think but then the article i found was from the 13th talking about uh, him finding it does it say what year uh yeah 1980 yeah it doesn't say um on the wikipedia at least whether it's who who what was that found it? Right. But I guess if I click on one of these, there's I found a couple things that said it was uh, Brian Ingram. So I, I tend to believe that. So this is a cool thing, just as a guy that loves comics. Agents uh, figured out that there was an old comic panel uh, where the hero's name was Dan Cooper. It was a Belgian comic book series uh, featuring a Canadian Air Force pilot, Dan Cooper, who took part in numerous adventures, including parachuting. Some investigators believe that the 1980 eruption of Mount St. Helen may have obliterated his remains, which the uh, documentary didn't really go into. No. It did not. And so that's kind of... uh, what I have on the whole thing, and then I got a couple pages of suspects for sure. Uh-huh. Let's take a quick make a drink pause. I'm Sorry, guys, I'm having a little uh, little tissue trouble here. I, uh, you know, had a bad allergy to uh, the fun dust. <laughs> to the old stripper salt? However you want to call that. The devil's dandruff? The devil's dandruff, yep, yep, yep. Uh, and if you know anything about me and you've been through this with me before, you know that I'm an idiot and I should stop doing it. But uh, he you know, here we are. doesn't learn his lesson. I never, ever. I have to learn it once every couple that's what, of years. That's one of those lovable uh, character flaws. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. Make you more endearing as a person. Well, you know, I think so. <laughs> the tissues constantly hanging out of my nose are less, <laughs> yeah. less endearing. It's real hot. It's, I know. You get I them know. way up there, too. Oh, you gotta. You gotta. Get you a little nose plugger. A little nose pluggerino. All right, so anyway, getting back into Dan Cooper, or D.B. Cooper. Um, so there is much speculation as to whether he was an experienced skydiver or an inexperienced skydiver. Uh, one of the things really leaning towards him being an inexperienced skydiver is that he... Turned down the better parachute, the more maneuverable parachute. I can't remember. There was some. It was something sport. It was yeah, a sport there was a style. Sport one, and then the other one was like some letter designation. Yeah. Anyway, he turned down that. Um, they accidentally sent him a parachute that didn't deploy, uh, which they didn't really talk about on the documentary as much. But yeah, one of the parachutes was like, I guess just for looks. I'm not sure, but it, it had a parachute <laughs> that didn't deploy. Um, and he ended up taking that as his secondary parachute. Oh, God. Uh, so, hopefully got it done with the first. Yeah. Uh, he also cannibalized one of the other ones and took all of the cord and we're assuming strapped the money to himself. Oh, okay, yeah. Which is another reason why I think that maybe it was just a couple bundles that dropped and not the whole bag. That could be very reasonable. Right. Uh, Apparently there was ten thousand unmarked twenty dollar bills in there. Right, that's a that's lot. That's a of, lot. Uh, it's a lot of bills. It's a lot of cheese. 
Let me see if I can find out how much uh, exactly. I have the article right here. So they found about $3,000 in $20 bills buried. That's what the Brian Ingram found. Yeah. Which is a lot of money, God. Um, so, I mean, that's that's pretty much what I got. Other people insist that he is, and if we go, once we go down our line of suspects, you'll kind of see that there's definitely some people that could have done it that were not So they've only, they've only found 3,000 out of the 200,000? Correct. That's not that much. It never got circulated. Like yeah. It never got spent, which leads itself into possibly meaning that it got lost. That's a whole lot of, I mean, I guess it's a big place, but that's a whole lot of money to lose. They only right. found 3,000 out of 200,000. I mean, and no body. They found yeah. no other money. And uh, so that area where the kid found the money had been dredged semi-recently, or, well, during, close to the time that this heist happened, the area where they found that, and they, so they brought in a paleontologist, I don't remember his name, uh, but Herbert he, Winkelstein. Herbert Winkelstein. No, I just made that up. <laughs> okay, well, that, okay. <laughs> so, uh, old Herbert. Old Herbert uh, dug down and figured out that it had been buried under the... What the fuck was I just talking about? Under the fucking dredging sand? Like yeah. all the sand that got knocked up during the dredging? Yeah. So, so when they, they said that it was buried first before the dredging happened. So when they dredge it, what they do is they, they essentially just dig it a little bit deeper. So they pull it, like they drag something along the bottom of it, and that ends up displacing the soil on the sides and causes it to rush over the sides and kind of like make little like layers, essentially, right. on top of it to help, not really help compact it, but it just ended up doing it. So when they said that... It had been dredged that that Mary the money had already been there, kind of buried beforehand, and then they dredged it, which caused it to be buried even more. Right, and so it was far enough away that they were wondering how it got there, and obviously they came to the conclusion, oh, in the river. Yeah. So there's a good possibility that he landed in the river, and at the time it was uh, near freezing temperatures. Yeah. Which is another thing that they leaned into, or like that would, uh, you know, you're falling in a rainstorm in the pitch black. Yeah, you know. And he didn't have goggles. He didn't yeah, have gloves. Didn't have any he was gear, just in a business had glasses. Suit. Yeah, but that's it. And aviators, mean, right? What's an aviator gonna do? Yeah, uh, like tumbling. So when they did the reenactment, they had the guy like tumble around, and which is another just leads me back to like. If you've fallen out of a plane so many times that you can, like, fake how to do it badly and still come out of yeah. it, like, that's crazy. Yeah. I wonder how many times you have to do it. I know you have to do it, like, 20 times to become an instructor, to become a uh, skydiving instructor. That's dumb. Which still doesn't seem like that many times. Right. If you're going to instruct me, so one of the, uh, we'll get into actually my first suspect got arrested later for uh, one of the reasons that they thought he might be... So they thought that uh, he wasn't a professional skydiver. He didn't have that kind of training. But then one of the suspects essentially did, years later after he was not a suspect anymore, but he used a parachute just like D.B. Cooper, but he gave it to two of his students and they plummeted to their death. <laughs> so, you know, awesome. <laughs> uh, yet another reason I will never jump from a plane because it's dumb. It's yeah, dumb. I'm not about it's it. It's dumb as hell. I'm sure it's fun and I'm sure it's a, an amazing like experience. Oh, yeah. but, I mean, sure. you, couldn't, you couldn't fucking convince me. Yeah, to do but it. fuck that. I don't. I don't have any need for that. In my yeah. Life. Uh, so anyway, getting on to the suspects, I pulled three three uh, suspects that I thought were, after reading them all, the the most uh, obvious standouts. Standouts for me. Uh, so first we have Ted Mayfield. On the day of the hijacking, six people called the FBI accusing him. Oh, yeah? He had a record uh, for armed robbery and previously stealing an airplane. <laughs> but also, six people dined you out? That's fucked up. Like, even if he didn't do it, that's fucked up. He should have been up. nicer. Right, maybe I guess he wasn't a very nice asshole. person. 
Maybe they had a good uh, reward, too. So the reason that he was taken off of the list is that he also called the FBI <laughs> uh, to give them a list of local skydivers, which it cleared him with the FBI because it was like four hours after the jump, maybe, or like four. It was some sort of four-hour window. Uh, and the FBI was like, well, that means that he can't have done it. But a lot of people speculate that if everything had gone according to his plan, four hours was enough time if he had something to make it back, call the FBI, and give himself an alibi. I mean, I feel like he'd have to be traveling slow, especially if he's in, like that one guy said, if he's in loafers when he jumps out, making a skydiving thing. Like, I would assume he would land and probably be wet. Right. Which would slow his movement down even more while running around in wet dress shoes and a wet business suit right. with 20 pounds of wet cash. But also, like, maybe, you know, maybe he had uh, enough of a knowledge of where, because he, I feel like he jumped out at a specific time. Like, he knew where he was. One of the things that uh, they didn't touch on in the documentary, really, is the witness Florence said that he would, like, uh, as they were flying, he'd be like, oh, we're flying over this. Like, oh, we're flying over this. Oh, this base is, like, right over here. Yeah, he made comments about right. the knowledge he had about the local Exactly. Area. So he knew, I feel like he knew where he was. But I wonder if that was during the storm time, if it was, like, during a more clear skies. Well, it was during a more clear skies, but yeah. I also feel like he had a knowledge of what he was doing. Like, if anything, he planned. He planned and planned, and maybe the storm fucked him up. But also maybe he had, like... A mode of transportation or clothes or like something, maybe a boat or something. I don't yeah. know. Uh, you know, crazier shit has happened. Anyway, so this is the guy that then got arrested in 1994 for unknowingly giving two of his students parachutes that didn't work and they plummeted to their deaths. That sucks. Uh, this next guy, long ass name, Richard Floyd McCoy Jr. Nice, Jr. Junior. Uh, so there were at least 15 copycats of D.B. Cooper over the next year. Oh, yeah? Yep. Uh, That's awesome. And this is one of them. McCoy, of course. McCoy Jr. I wonder how many of them were successful versus not. I mean, I guess not many if this is the only unsolved right, one. Right, this is the only unsolved one, so I assume none of them were successful. I wonder how, like, during what stages did it go unsuccessful? Right. So, with McCoy, he robbed an airplane with an unloaded handgun and a paperweight that looked like a grenade. He escaped by parachuting out of the aft uh, staircase, just like Cooper. A little less organized, though. Aft uh, is back for all you non-airmen out there. Right. Yeah, right. the butt of the plane. It's like the it's butt. pooping people out. Pooping people. Pooping people. <laughs> Pooping people. Uh, anyway, he left enough fingerprints on the scene that he got caught, uh, which leads me to believe he wasn't because the other dude seemed to fucking know what the hell he was doing. Uh, and so the reason they didn't catch his fingerprints off the glass is it got, uh, I guess, taken and, and washed and like all the fingerprints got washed off of it or got mixed in or something like that. Uh, so, old McCoy Jr. did, however, break out of jail with a fake gun made of dental paste. He was <laughs> on the run for three months. Wait, what? Yeah. A fake gun made of dental made paste? Made of dental paste. That's a... I don't even know what that would look like. I don't know. Maybe it's... Is dental paste the same as toothpaste? I think it's like... Is it thicker? Uh, to hold your dentures. Oh, maybe? Yeah, I, I guess think. like they kind of glue and then you let me see, either let me, make a sculpting uh, out of it or you just glue like, it up do like a, what's it called? Not Fabergé, uh, paper mache. Like a paper mache gun with dental paste. What is dental paste used for? It's, oh, Jesus. Used to treat, uh, oh, that's a hell of a, hell of a word. Triamisnolin, which is uh, astenoid, which is a dental paste, is prescription medicine used to treat painful lesions in the mouth. Huh. That's at least a dental paste. I don't know if that's the one that he used, but so it's medicine. Right. 
that he made a gun out of somehow. <laughs> I would assume it had to be some thick paste. Right. Maybe like uh I still think like the whole paper mache thing, you know, maybe take some paper and squeeze the dental paste, let it harden, squeeze the right. dental paste a little more. Or like, uh, yeah, I don't know. But it would have to <laughs> making be. like a little sculpture out of it. Right. Uh, anyway, he was on the, mo- the on the run for three months before being shot and killed in a firefight with authorities in Virginia. So this is the guy I was talking about earlier. I don't remember if we were on or off the air. Uh, that his family said he couldn't have done it because he was on th- at Thanksgiving. Uh, at Thanksgiving, yeah. But the cop that shot him after he shot him said, uh, "Oh, I just shot DB Cooper," and the cop was very convinced that he was DB Cooper. What a piece of shit! Right, probably just to make himself, you know, look good. Yeah. And do you know what year that was? I do not off the top of my head. I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess now cops can just shoot people and uh, right, you know, reckless not, abandon. Not a, yeah, not a horrible slowing down to their career. In fact, they get a paid vacation. I'm like, yeah, and counseling. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to take a quick cigarette break, and uh, we're going to pour ourselves another glass, and we're going to get back into the last little bits of DB Cooper, as well as. I'll review on Old Granddad, and we're going to talk about the Song of the Week, Criminal of the Week, and the other stuff. Oh, I guess uh, before we jump into break entirely, however, the one last point I had. Yes, get it. The one last point (laughs) I had on uh, McCoy is he followed some of the same steps Cooper did, but that were undisclosed to the public. Okay. Which was another sort of damning thing for him. Yeah. He did stuff that Cooper did that nobody else knew. That so have you talked about the dude whose brother bought the house? No, no. He's my... He's my... Your main one? My main... He's Your my main, main suspect. Your main squeeze? Uh, I think that it was him, and I think that he did get away with it. Yeah? Yeah. That'd be sweet. I'd like to think he got away with it. Otherwise, he just plummeted to a terrifying death. <laughs> yeah, to a real shitty death. <laughs> anyway, we will be back shortly. And we're back. And we're back. Why'd you take that thing off? Uh, because it beeps loudly. Sometimes I don't need it. I was working on something the other day where I didn't need to count in. Hmm. So I didn't count in. Okay. You know, music stuff you wouldn't know anything about. I know everything about it. I was in a band once. <clears throat> yeah, you were in a band once as the manager. As the guy they... I don't think that's in the band still. That's in the band. Nah. It was important. Watch any rock and roll thing. It's not the managers stuff. getting getting pooned thrown at them. Well, now that's not true. Yeah. You know the managers be pulling it. Yeah, probably at the end they get the leftovers, but I don't think they weren't. The ladies aren't clamoring to go to the back for the manager. Well, he's the one that has to find the ladies. Yeah, he gets the scraps. He finds them I'm first. He's, the just, he's probably testing the waters first. I don't think he tests the water. He just yeah. comes back and he's like, you, you backstage, you backstage. Uh, anyway, here we are back. Uh, let's talk, I guess, about this whiskey. It's doing me a service, you know. Yeah. Got a nice little buzz going on. It's not too bad. Old Granddad. Old Granddad. Ah. Makes him make a face. Yeah, well, I mean, we're making real, uh, they're just mostly whiskey drinks. Yeah. Very little Sprite. Yeah, it's like one actual measured one ounce shot of soda (laughs) in them. Yeah, so, you know. But here, it's a liquor so We're going to town, you know. Yeah, and we're we're doing way better than last time. Yeah, well, that's true. I don't think we made it this far last time. No, we definitely did not, (laughs) because I have more information this time. (laughs) Well, yeah, but that aside, I haven't fallen asleep yet. That's true. There's still plenty of time, though. Uh, Anyway, let me shove a little tissue up the old snaz here. Gross. So we can get on with our lives. (laughs) I got some earplugs you can just put up there real quick. It doesn't absorb. You just have to have a stop. You don't need to absorb. It needs to absorb. Nah, then you just unplug it and let it flow out. It does let that it anyway. flow like the mighty Nile River. Uh, so anyway, we so far we've talked about DB. We've talked about what he did. Uh, we've talked about a couple of the suspects. And then going into this next part, we're going to be talking about my main suspect, the guy I think did it. Um, by the name of Kenneth Christensen. 
so his brother in 2003 called a private investigator after watching a documentary and said, hey, that's my brother. Uh, I think that my brother did it. Uh, and his brother's name was Kenneth Christensen. Christensen. At least he gave him some time before he ratted him out. Right. Well, I yeah. think he, he was, so he was already dead, but we'll get to that. Oh. Uh, so, Kenneth Christensen had been a paratrooper in World War II, which would lead you to believe that also, I think, you know, kind of in my mind explains why maybe he didn't know about the, uh, like the nicer shoots. Right. Because he was relying on his old paratrooper knowledge. Yeah. Uh, which I feel like would be, if anybody was going to land in a storm in the dark, Yeah, it would be a paratrooper. Yeah. Like that, they're literally, they jump into combat zones and shit. Like, yeah, so it's really hectic. There's a lot going on, a lot of different, uh, a lot of disorienting things. Right. And if you had, uh, you know, and I do believe he saw action, so like he was, you know, he was jumping out of planes in combat zones and shit. Uh, so after World War II wrapped on up... He was a flight attendant for the Northwest Orient, which is the airplane company that the plane got stolen from, which would explain how he knew the routes. Right. Uh, which would explain how he, you know, had, had the knowledge that he did. Uh, so he'd also never really been wealthy. He'd kind of always, you know, just he had enough money, maybe been middle class at best. Right. Well, I wonder how much a uh, flight attendant at that time was getting paid. Probably not much. Yeah. Probably not much. Uh, anyway, so he's never really been wealthy. But in 1972, he bought a house straight cash. Yeah. Which is... He bought a real nice house Yeah, he cash. bought like a real nice house, just straight cash. Uh, he ended up dying of cancer in 1994. But before he died, he told his brother, There is something you should know, but I can't tell you. His brother didn't push the issue... But, again, you know. Right. Right. Like, that's... Maybe he was a diddler. Right. Maybe he was a diddler. (laughs) Uh, After he died, his brother found that he had over $200,000 in his bank. And, again, we're talking about a guy that didn't make a whole lot of money. Right. A a paratrooper from... What was it? Vietnam? World War II. World War II paratrooper into flight attendant attendant, in the 1970s. Which, as a man, yeah, well, I mean, even as a man, as a woman, I'm sure that the flight attendant, you know, didn't make a whole lot of coin, especially because I would think that more often than not, at that point, there'd be female flight attendants, and you know, females didn't get the same pay rate. I mean, they're still not getting quite the same pay rate. No, they are not. Which is a whole other issue that we may touch in a another episode. Yeah, because this is after like the 1950s, where they give you the uh, they'll give you like a bottle of liquor. Back when like business travel became a thing or business class became a thing, they would they would hand out a full like liter of liquor to everyone that came on the plane. Which would be dope. But then that's also when they were like molesting flight attendants and stuff like that, like patting them on the butt and being like, Good job, honey. Right. And then Less. smoking a cigar. Right. Men you know? have always been shitty. <laughs> uh, so and the last sort of final damning thing is he looks exactly like the sketch. Oh yeah, we can put it up. Did. We can put it up too because the uh, the sketch looks it looks yeah. If you just I don't know why they didn't just make him put glasses on once to take a picture. Right. Uh, and so when shown the picture of him and the sketch, or when being shown the picture of him, Florence and I think just Florence is where the quotes from, but I think they showed it to the other people that had to do with him. Pretty much everybody was like, yeah, that's the guy. Uh, but Florence, the one who spent the most time, the stewardess that sat with him and like talked to him the most, had the most interaction right. with him, said, "Man, that's as close as a picture of I've seen I've seen so far." Yeah, and it was. It's a damning picture, especially because it looks just it looks just fucking like him. Right, it, it really looks just does. like him. The same shape of the face and everything, just minus the sunglasses. Yep. So that is who I think did it. I mean, just. Dropping money. I think he maybe pulled some other heists, too, and that's why he had leftover money, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how much he put down on that house, but still, like 200000 in your bank account. In well, I mean, if he took the money, well, I guess it wasn't. It was like, what, a year later that he bought the house? Yeah. Yeah, so it wouldn't have been enough time to invest it or anything. Might have been enough time to launder it, however. Yeah. Uh, 
But again, that ties back into that none of the bills were ever found in circulation. Right. So what happened to them? Like, and maybe he did have just a fantastic way to launder that shit. Yeah, that had to be an amazing way to launder it. Right. I mean, maybe he spent it in some other country somehow. I don't fucking know. I don't know. Maybe, um, well, I was just thinking, like, maybe the guy he sold the house to had a lot of properties and just kind of put it in his bank and passed that and never got checked, right. I guess. But they, I, know. I know they photo, uh, they photographed each pic or each, uh, bill essentially they took right. like the numbers down the serial numbers for each serial bill numbers, yep. they took down all the information for it to so for it to move i feel like as much as i wanted to i feel like it'd be really hard to get it to move without anyone knowing. oh so very hard you know unless you just spent like a 20 here and there and just kind of spread the money around and but, that but still two hundred thousand dollars that's ten thousand dollars yeah they've been found eventually right but at the time that they first checked you know it was in the seventies, even to eighties. I don't know. I mean, how they were well doing they're... this investigation all till you know two thousand sixteen, yeah, three years ago, yeah. And the money has never circulated one time, yeah. So, so who knows? Who knows how that went down? I like to believe that he got one over on the man. Yeah. Uh, another thing about Kenneth Christensen is he had been frustrated with uh, Northwest Orient. Because of pay cuts, yeah, and some other sketchy shit that the company was doing, uh, so he had reason to act up. Exactly, Florence, the flight attendant. One of the quotes that I got from there was, she asked him why this airline, and he said, "I don't have a grudge against your airline specifically. I just have a grudge." Right, and remember the uh, the guy. What's his name? Christensen. Yeah. He also was a bourbon drinker and also yep. a cigarette smoker yep. and also, you know, semi-well-mannered. Right. Fit in a lot of the characteristics. So the, the, uh, the bourbon in 7-Up was a popular drink among, you know, middle-class-ish people. Yeah, or the more uh, affluent or more classy, I guess. Right. Not the riffraff not, that not celebrates D.B. Cooper Day. <laughs> Good God. We, uh, I'll try and post that a video of that. I wish we could just isolate that part because, yeah, it's just a oh, bunch of good old good. boys having a time. It really is, just celebrating D.B. Cooper. Uh, but that is pretty much what I have on D.B. Cooper. Thoughts? Uh, I think it's great, you know. I think that, okay, so based on what the information was talking about, the wind speed and everything where it took him, so in the documentary that we were watching, they were talking about him, there's... Essentially, two different places he could have gotten essentially pushed to based on the parachute that he had. Because he had something like, let's just call it like the the the, Mar- the Marketh 12 or something. It was just like a name <laughs> and a number right. for the parachute. And it was but not, it was... it was one that's kind of guided by the winds. There's not a lot of right. movement to control it versus the sport version of the parachute that he had as an alternate that he did not take. So they were saying, based on the evidence, that he probably, or like you know, most likely would have flown to one of two different rivers and hit the river, right? And had like less than ten minutes to get out of the river, and they're big fucking rivers to cross on either side. Plus, like the water, you know, the current pulling it a lot. But again, you could also hide some shit under a uh, under a, a suit coat. Maybe he had some floaty devices or. Yeah, but he didn't have goggles or anything either. Maybe he had goggles. I mean, they don't know that he didn't have goggles. Yeah, well, he jumped out, or like they saw him without goggles until the. Yeah, but he sent, so he sent everybody to the front of the plane, so nobody actually saw him jump. Who knows? Maybe he did have goggles just like in his pocket or something. That's true. Popped him on, like we don't know. But yeah, he's jumping through like freezing weather and shit like that in like a rainstorm. Right. And uh, so the chances of him hitting one of two rivers are very high. And uh, just because the fact that they haven't been circulated, the bills have never been circulated, you know, seems like that he didn't make it very well. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of evidence leaning towards he didn't make it. Especially if his backup shoot during a fucking rainstorm was dead. Right. Like, that leaves a lot of chips stacked against you. He had to be a great one, which, like you were saying, the dude Christensen... Right, he, he was, was a paratrooper. Yeah, he was a paratrooper in World War II, but also paratroopers jump out of the plane and their chute launches immediately. Well, so they talked about that. They talked about if they if he'd have pulled his chute immediately, that was kind of where they got a lot of their search information was yeah. assuming that he pulled his chute immediately, which is what a paratrooper would have done. Right. 
in in comparison, when they were talking about him flying through the air with no gloves on, his hands would have gotten real cold because it was a real right. bad, real cold temperature. Unless he just popped so it, it would have made it. Yeah, right. if he didn't pop it immediately, but popping it immediately, I feel like would have made it more visible for other people, even though it was low level right visibility. Still, some although they're still five, going three pretty to five fast. Planes. Like if he had just waited, like yeah, I don't know, a couple seconds, they'd have passed over him. Yeah, and just popped it and rode it all the way down. Right. But even the gusts of winds during a storm pulling a, uh, a, a parachute that wasn't that maneuverable, you know, that would yeah. have taken some real skill to get down there. Or luck. And yeah. that was the one thing is like, no, you know, nobody really factored in just dumb luck. Yeah. Dumb lucky shit happens to people all the fucking time. Yeah. Like, who's to say this wasn't an instance where... He was in over his head, but just like the wind cussed, like gusts just got him just right and he fucking got out of it. Yeah. I'd like to believe he's out there. Well, he's dead now, but I'd like to believe that he made it <laughs> and died of cancer. And then died of cancer, which a lot of times happens in like heists and stuff. Where, right. Uh, when we were looking up the mafia things. Yeah. A lot of people got in trouble. They didn't die in uh, jail necessarily. No, died yeah. Of cancer. They died of cancer. Died of other things. Well, bullet. Heart Lead disease. poisoning. Right. <laughs> Uh, and then after, man, that I really wish we had found out about that gold heist. Yeah, so when we were looking up, when we were watching the D.B. Cooper heist, there was another gold heist that was just super exciting. Yeah, it was so one exciting. in uh, It was one in London where they took like half a million dollar gold. Like half, like, well, how much we'll, was it? We'll definitely be doing a few. Yeah, we'll times. have to check it out because we'll essentially definitely. like the value of the gold, it was the largest gold bullion, which bullion is like the... Actual gold bars that people right. think of like gold bars, they look like like little golden cell phones essentially. Will you stop fiddling with your fucking? I'm shoes? sorry, I can't. Jesus, making. Um, so gold bullion looks like little gold like iPhones, and uh, it was the largest heist that they had ever had. In it was so big, it yeah. affected the gold market. Yeah, it like made it, it made the, the gold market go up, which made in turn made the value of the gold increase too. Right. But, uh, which is dope. But we will uh, yeah. we will come we'll back to, to that heist. We'll have to cycle back through next yeah. next time. Next time we do organized crime or heists or probably heist versus organized crime. Right. Final thoughts on the the booze? I'm pretty drunk. I like it. Yeah, yeah we yeah. we paced ourselves a lot better than last time. We definitely did. Last time we took shots. We also took shots of tequila beforehand, which wasn't the best. And idea. we did a double. Yeah. We did a double episode, so we drank. Well, we tried to. Well, we tried to. <laughs> we recorded two different things. Only one made it. Right. We uh, we made it about halfway through, maybe, and Alex fell asleep. And then we woke up and drunkenly talked about dumb shit. Well, we were fitting you for my kilt at one point when I was right. listening back through it. Or not my kilt, but fitting you for your kilt for my wedding. Right. Which we all wore kilts at the wedding. Well, the groomsmen, at least. Yeah. Right. Well, that's hatchets y'all. for a while. Yeah, hatchets for a while until it became just unreasonable to have a sharp blade at your yep. hip. Every exposed. time somebody goes to hug you, you had to be like, Nee-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-
guy was waiting for somebody like me to come along. Oh, yeah, he had to have been, because it was like barely 6 o'clock. It was like 6.05, and that dude had to have been... I didn't see him. I also didn't stay there to look at the flag. Right. I just heard Macon fucking with something in the background, so I turn around, and he's like trying to wiggle this flag out of the ground, and... The next thing you know, he gets like three wiggles into it and gets yelled at. It's just like, <laughs> nope, nope, sorry, man. He just he just wanted to take it so we could have it. Right. You know, we just didn't bring our colors. <laughs> uh, nobody's trying to get shot in West Virginia over a tiny little Confederate flag. Yeah, especially on the way to 7-Eleven. <laughs> right, drunk, six yeah. in the morning. Trying to get some cigarettes. Wedding. Yeah. Double homicide went down the day of Double. man's wedding. <laughs> Over a 30-cent Confederate flag. They'd have never found us. <laughs> He'd have taken us to some hauler. All right, so you ready to... Uh, did we already cover the end of this liquor? Yep, 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 yep. It's good. All right, so then it brings us to... Criminal of the Week! Criminal of the Week! Criminal of the Week! All right, normally Macon does this, but see, since he took the lead on this episode of D.B. Cooper, I'm going to do the Criminal of the Week. Oh, switch up. Switch up. Thomas Robert Harder jumps off bridge to avoid DUI tests. So this dude jumped off a bridge to avoid a DUI test. A New Orleans man went to extreme measures to avoid taking a DUI test. He jumped off a 20-high-foot bridge. 20 high foot, huh? 20 high foot. 20 high foot. Not 20 foot high, but 20 high foot. On Sunday, Thomas Robert Harder was pulled over by police and asked to take a sobriety test after another motorist reported his car swerving and speeding, according to Newser. Although Harder got out of the car without being asked and was waving his arms in the air like he didn't care. <laughs> Police say that he was smelling of alcohol and swaying around, also wearing a green St. Patrick's Day necklace. Oh, damning evidence. Damning evidence. When the officer asked for his vehicle registration, Harder got Beasical. back in, vehicle. Harder got back into his car and exited again, holding a pile of paper scraps and a stack of CDs. The CDs included <laughs> were now that's what I call music. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> According to the New Orleans Times, he was still swaying. At that point, the officer asked Harder to take a field sobriety test, and he agreed, before suddenly bolting and leaping into the water 20 feet below. One officer managed to grab him, but could not hold on to Carter, who was wearing jeans, boots... Wait, did the guy jump in after him? No, no, he went to grab him. Oh, uh, He grabbed him and then kind of lost him, you know, like his shirt like kind of bounced out of his hands. You know, you're a fan of football. You know how that you know how that goes. Yeah. But he's wearing jeans, boots, and a camouflage t shirt. So not the best swimming attire. Right. Sounds like another D B Cooper on our hands. <laughs> kind of appropriate, jumping from a high area. Right. I was just thinking that same thing. Uh it, so it says, quote, We were concerned that the current would just take him away. Harder fell into the lake and disappeared into the water, which was rough with winds between fifteen and twenty miles per hour and cold. About 60 degrees, according to Causeway General Manager Carlton Dufrecal. Dufrecal. Yeah, I don't know how to fucking pronounce French words. The southbound lanes were closed for about a half an hour as rescuers looked for them. Quote, we were concerned that the current would take him away, Dufrecal told the Times. Luckily, Harder managed to grab a utility building at the base of the bridge. He was hauled out of the 60-degree water intact and arrested for what will be his eighth drunk driving charge. (laughs) No wonder he jumped off the fucking bridge. According to WWL-TV. Don't they send you to, like, jail after the third? I guess not in Louisiana. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, this is is in Louisiana. Oh, crazy side note, but tying back into the Confederate flag. Have you seen Mississippi state flag? Uh, not recently. I mean, it's I have, just I'm sure little before. Confederate flag. In the corner of, like, an American yeah, flag? in the corner of an American, like... Yeah. A not well-done American flag. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, big time. They lost. Heritage, not hate, They were bud. the most un-American people <laughs> that have ever existed. They literally fought to not be a part of America. Don't you tell that to the three percenters. Oh, my God. Those white supremacists are going to come out with their guns. And just oh, be real and they angry. were mad about... Slaves. <laughs> so he was 
also charged with resisting arrest and careless driving and booked as a fugitive with outstanding warrants for a hit and run. He is being held on a $15,000 bond on the alleged driving violations, according to Fox News. But Dufrecheau thinks that that's better than the alternative. He's, He's a lot better off than being crab meat, he told reporters. So he could have died, you know, but... 20-foot high bridge. I'm in good conditions. It's not too terrible. No, that's not bad. Nah, I mean, How high is the one at... Uh, over at... Uh, what's that fucking... Well, Power there? Dam's 30. Union Dam is like 40. Or Union... Is it yeah, Union the Dam? one with like Union the Springs? big concrete With the big concrete. The with the big old dick hanging right. out inside of the middle of the river. Yeah, that's like 40 feet. Like yeah. a little under. I mean, I've done a backflip off of that. Yeah. So, not that terrible. That was also 2012, so I'm sure he's... Uh, Hopefully out. Maybe. I don't know. And 60 degrees? That ain't that cold. Yeah. That's like a nice, brisk blue hole. I mean, he's no D.B. Cooper. He's know. no D.B. Cooper. <laughs> or so we uh, we don't know. Who knows? But only D.B. knows. Yep. I hope that it is that guy who bought the house. Me too. You know, and died of cancer. I don't I mean, I don't want him to die of cancer, but I'd like for him to get away with it. Right, he just took one, you know. You know, if he, like you said, he cannibalized the one pack. If he pulled the strings, like the, you know, the parachute cord from one pack and wrapped it around hastily. Right. He might have had a couple bills slip out at once, especially on like an impact of something. Right. If he like, you know, got caught in a tree or if it just wanted to shoot, hit, and three things just, woo, fell around the same trajectory. There's so many, there's so much conjecture and there's so much, it could go either way, honestly. I think there's good evidence on both sides. Yeah, I think it's better evidence that he didn't make it, though. But where's the body, bud? In the ocean, like they said. Where's the body, bud? It's going to be one of those unsolved mysteries. Yeah. Until they find the body, which they probably will never find. They yeah. also haven't found the cash, too. So right. that definitely leaves it up in the air. Right. But, I mean, if he fell down and, like, let's say, oh, let's say three of them fell out. And then they fall in that place and they get dredged up or whatever. He hits the ground, dies, or he hits the water, dies, floats down into the ocean, sinks to the bottom of the ocean or whatever, rots off, sinks to the bottom of the ocean. The money's still going to be strapped to him. Right. You know, so he could be just down at the bottom Unless of the ocean. Unless he's like inside a shark. Well, yeah, that too. He could have been eaten up. Right. But then I feel like at least a couple bills would have shown up. Right. Some shit would have washed up. Now, Unless it was a megalodon. But there's a lot of fucking garbage in the ocean, so. Yeah. Also, you assholes, climate change is real. Oh, yeah. And we're all going to die. Oh, yeah, we're going to die. Well, we're going to die before climate change is too terrible. I don't know that nah, we will. We'll be fine. It'll be Sawyer that gets screwed yeah, over. Yeah, Sawyer's going to get fucked. If nothing else, Sawyer's children. Our children's children, our grandchildren are going to just be yeah. melting alive. But that's an ep- that's a story for another episode. That's a story for another episode. All right. So, uh, do you have anything else to say about this episode? No. Uh, I love the legend of DB Cooper. Yeah, I it's mean, a great yes, one. I guess. I love the legend of DB Cooper. I think it's amazing. It's fun to speculate about. Yeah, it's a really fun one too, especially because um, the entire time, like when he rips his parachute, like when he jumps out of the plane, I just want to hear like doom 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 like. <laughs> Yeah, he was like super James Bond. Yeah. like suit, glasses, getting bourbon, getting drinks. bourbon, smoking a couple cigarettes, not too much, just smoking one maybe every hour. Talking to the stewardess and shit. Yep, he could have done. Looking all that. like he was hitting on her versus robbing the plane. Right. That's awesome that she tried to throw her like she threw right. the note into her purse. Excuse and he was like, me, Ma'am. miss. You're gonna want to read that. Excuse me, miss. Your flesh is exposed. Your flesh is exposed. <laughs> Oh, call out to our good friend, Hugh. Oh, at Hugh Hundo. Make sure you check out his music, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, anything that you listen to. YouTube, at Hugh Hundo. All right, so now it's our call to action, or just uh, us plugging all our shit that we have. Okay. Or at least telling you where to find it out. So now, finally, we're on iTunes, so you can go over into iTunes and make sure you rate and review it. Five stars! Yeah, give us five stars, because it's a big help. Even if you don't like it, like just go ahead and click five stars. It doesn't hurt. Give anything. us five stars and then talk shit in the review. It's yeah, fine. That's fine. Confuse them. So let's right. do the one-two punch. Uh, you can also check us out, like always, on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. You know, we're eventually going to get to Google uh, Podcast, but once they get a little bit more of their system set up, 
Um, you can check out my Instagram page at Tenderfingers on Instagram. You can check out Macon's Instagram page at Macon Hutchison. Uh, you can check out all our yeah, that's it, and that's <laughs> Hutchison H U T C H I S O N, not Hutchison or whatever. Or Hutchinson. Hutchinson, yeah, Hutchinson. So it's at M A C O N H U T C H I S O N. Bacon with an M, baby. Yep. Making bacon, making making with bacon. Making, so also bacon, you can waking making bacon, waking bacon making, waking bacon making with some bacon. Um, you can also check out our Instagram page. It's at AM Take on the World. You can see what we're doing, and uh, we're going to update that more with some more live stuff, just to you know fill up the time. Also, you can check out the Facebook page. It's Alex and Making Take on the World. Check it out, subscribe to it, or just uh, follow it, and then you know comment things that you'd like to see, anything. Absolutely, or just anything. You yeah, know? you can just send us a fucking poop emoji. Right, anything you guys want to talk about, we're down to talk about. Any engagement. We got extra time. Also, every week I put out a weekly playlist on Spotify. It's called Tuned In Tuesday, so make sure you check that out. Once again, it's Tuned In Tuesday. And today we're going to end the show with one of our friends, Patrick P. Magic. Ooh, P. Madrick. Yep, we're going to end the show with his song. It's called Murder Scene. Murder, murder. So, once but again. He's better than Ja Rule. Yeah, yeah. Plus, he doesn't scam people over like that. Uh, his name is P. Magic. That's P M A G I K. Yeah. You can check him out on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Music, anything you listen to. That is P. Magic with Murder Scene. Y'all can call me Mr. Get in the Booth and One Take Shit. I mean, y'all can call me that. That shit rarely happens. I'm still the shit though. Fuck with me. Uh. Not the type to be pushed around. Disrespect me end of a fully loaded Glock 19 barrel, which you'll be looking down. Magic cooking now. The work came from out west. I made a play, think it's moving somewhere in Brooklyn now. Psychotic mindset, swear that nobody know me. Medical grade in the J and I'm pulling it slowly. As a youngin' would idolize rappers and fictional characters. Grew up and realized rappers are fictional characters. Shit me though, live situations were playing the role or get enough lead in your head to pop your brain out the skull. Still never been afraid though, never stopped the hustle. My set on getting paid, yo. Uh still all about them pesos. Shout out all my real G's, wannabes, I hate those. Uh no love for you fake hoes. Winning ain't never easy. I'll do whatever it takes though. Uh and I ain't backing down nothing. Took the path that's traveled, turned out to be your wild one. Uh and the boss, they non-fictional Uh, shit, my flow's biblical Uh, catch me preaching this gospel Give the game away free Like samples at Costco Uh, stay copping in both Don't sell drugs anymore Trying to stay woke It's the first day of the rest of our lives Shit, I'm going for mine Don't have my eyes on the prize Proud to be a true testament To every motherfucker that's out here Getting it, blood, tears, and sweating it Swagger ain't no letting it Best alert, you're next to kin If I threw your bishop on that hoe Would go and fetch your dick Knock, you better let me in Uh, a murder scene I'll make a mess of shit